you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Let's go, Brock and Salt Show. Yes, hello, everybody. It is the Seattle Sports Station on 710SeattleSports.com and the Seattle Sports application. Miss you guys on a formal Friday. Hello, formal Friday before the first Seahawks game of the season. How about that? Brady Henderson's going to come stop by for a few hours. Looking forward to that one. My two-day headache has finally disappeared, so I am feeling ready to go today. What's up? like that. That's right. Two days of just mind-numbing head pain. Is, Maura uh, and I have talked about this every, yeah. every Friday when you say formal Friday. Yeah. Right, Maura? Every Friday we mention this. We think you should dress formal. Yeah, that's not going to happen. The thing is about a formal <laughs> Friday is often it's a golf Friday. So I am dressed formally for golf. Okay. I do have my, uh, sh- you know, I got my shirt tucked in. I got a belt. Right, so is, I'm dressed is it a for- white white belt. Not today. I do I do often go white belt, yeah. but I, not today. Today's just a formal. simple gray belt. Because it's a blue Friday. It's the first blue Friday. Yeah, yeah. You're in blue. Yeah. Yeah. Blue on. Yeah. I'm not in a blue Friday. It's not my oh, thing. Weird. Yeah. It's Surprise. Not my, that's not my. That's not. That's not the way I choose to cheer I and, and fan. Shocked. Everyone has their own way to fan. That's just not the way I choose to do it. I don't judge anybody who does. Uh-huh. That's just not my chosen fan expression. Anyway, okay. here's where I wanted to start today. No, no hesitation. No, nothing. I got this text and it fit perfectly, perfectly into how I feel. And you know that uh, I've I've had some fun reading the uh, late night texts that come in or during Mariner games or whatever the next morning. And I thought this one from the 253 was absolutely perfect. And I agree with it 100%. Since everyone in this city loves to say the worst loss of the season every time the Mariners lose, can we call this the best win of the season? 253? Yes. At least I can. I think that was the best win the Mariners have had all season. I mm. loved it. Mm. I thought that was, so far anyway, the best win of the season. And there's some other contenders, right? Come back earlier against Houston, the comeback earlier against Tampa. A lot of them tend, a, a lot of the times we say best and worst win of the season, it tends to be either your team came back to win from a large deficit or they gave up a large lead. And we tend to just think of blown leads and overcome deficits as the best and worst of the season. Totally understandable. And if that's the way you view it, I won't argue with you. I don't, again, I don't necessarily view it that way. Those things do happen over the course of the season and they're gut punches. And from a fan perspective, they can be absolutely infuriating or absolutely amazing. But I loved a one nothing win yesterday. I thought that was so important to who they are and where they're going and what games look like in the playoffs. And the fact that maybe the key moment of the whole thing wasn't a pitch, wasn't a hit, wasn't a home run, wasn't a base running steal. Nope. It was Cal Raleigh doing his thing behind the plate. Nobody out, bottom of the ninth, the stretch and the pitch, Rayleigh running, pitch of the way, a ball, the throw down a second by Cal, the tag by JP, and out at second base is Luke Rayleigh trying to steal. Cal Raleigh does it again. 
He throws a strike right on the bag. The catch and tag by J.P. Crawford, and Rayleigh is out at second base. Holy smokes, what a throw by Cal Raleigh. One away for the Rays. Question. Unprovable answer. If he's safe at second base, did the Mariners win that game last night? Ooh, I don't know. That's a... It's definitely in question. Yeah, the way that you've planted the seed of doubt in my head on on some Munoz control and confidence right now, I certainly was. I mean, Munoz came out and was all over the map, right? He's... He, he he couldn't find the strike zone, and now you got a man on first, and he Single throws a couple away. of balls, and he's just like, yeah. I mean, he just he didn't have it right off the bat, and then Cal makes that throw, he guns him out, and you get a twofer. Not only do you not have a man at second base, which you would with nobody out, but you get an out, and and I think he needed that out to only need to get two himself yesterday. So I, I thought that was an incredible play. We spent a while yesterday talking about who the captain of this team would be if they had one. They don't, but if they were to vote on captains. And a lot of that conversation was about J.P. Crawford for good reason. Some of it was about Julio and Gino Suarez. And then the fourth name we mentioned was Cal. He might not have been the most popular answer yesterday. But man, does he show how important he is to this team. The way he guides those pitchers, the way he helps them, it's incredible. And that throw was just wow. Yeah. He took the load off a pitcher who needed it last night. And I think that's what's so interesting to for about Cal is his ability to to find a hole and fill it. Oh, you need a little power? I got you. You need a little pinch hit? I got you. You need somebody to bat right-handed this time? I got you. You need somebody to walk out and talk to the pitcher? I got it. You need to know when to calm him down? I got it. You need me to call the game for him and, you know, direct a staff that right now is the best in baseball? Yeah, I got it. Oh, they're getting tired? I can go out and gun a guy down at second base so he only needs to get two outs instead of three. Oh, and then we've seen, oh, you need a, a grinded at that pinch hit late in the game for a single to get on base so the, somebody else can drive. The number of got things it. he has done to help this team is really phenomenal. And I, I just, I feel like he's that missing slice of pizza that just slots into the pie wherever it's empty and finds a way to do everything you need him to do to help the team. So unbelievable job by Cal. Unbelievable game yesterday. A one nothing win. Wow. I love a good one nothing win. I really do. And the fact that it was Luis Castillo. And again, did he have his best stuff yesterday? Nope. I would argue not even close. Good stuff. He still manages to go six innings without giving up a run. He got some nice defense. There was some challenging defense. We'll have to talk at some point about what Josh Rojas did yesterday. I don't know that I've seen a day quite like that for one individual player. I'm not going to sit here and rip the guy up and down. I'm just going to say something was off with him yesterday. The karma, the he was sick. I don't know, but there's no way a major league player should have a day like he did yesterday. Two errors, one of which was just pretty inexcusable and then forgetting the number of outs while you're on first base. I mean, geez, that was that was a lot. So we'll just try to Luckily, only one of the errors was counted as an error, but it, it, yeah, it, but it was two errors. I, I watched the game. Yeah. <laughs> Those were both errors. And then obviously the huge mental error. So that's just a just a brutal, brutal game for Rojas. And then he got called out on a pitch that wasn't a strike just for good measure. I'm just going to hope he goes home, gets a little rest comes back at it today and just feels like a completely different person and that was just a one-off and I'm not going to sit here and just rip the guy up and down. But, but if it keeps happening, obviously, you got to do something about it, but one day 
you're just going to give the guy a break and kind of kind of hope that he moves on from there. But yeah, yeah, it's possible. As as our own Brandon Gustafson uh, tweeted last night, if the season ended today, the Mariners would be at Tampa for a best of three wild card. So that maybe he said, that's yeah. a potential playoff preview last week. I mean, a little this funky, game. right? Because you end up actually now tied in the loss column well, this, with this the was Astros. Pre, uh, game. Okay, yeah. yeah. So cool thing about yesterday is you're now tied in the loss column, which means you know you control your own destiny. Uh-huh. If the playoffs were to start today, they couldn't because the Astros would have played another game. You would get to play one more, and if you win it, you got the tiebreaker over the Astros. So as uh, yes, I mean all that. I love going through all those scenarios, but. Yeah, pretty interesting where uh, where the Mariners but find it felt themselves. Like a playoff game, and I'll tell you that the, the the last thing about this game, you you lose three in a row and four out of five, you feel pretty lousy about your road trip, right? You salvage the last game in Cincinnati. It wasn't the prettiest right at the end, but you salvage it by just bashing the baseball in a in a park that is built for it. And then to come out and get your second win in a row, and just that to me feels like you kind of write. Not that the ship was ever not righted, but it was, you know, maybe listing about a little bit. I don't know what to mean the boat in. You can't afford analysis. the slump at all right now. So you, right. You need to feel like you're. You got to get that thing immediately right back on track. Yeah. And yeah. getting one win kind of breaks the, 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 the losing streak, but getting two starts a new one. And I just think that's really a, an important thing for this team, especially given these next three games in Tampa. None of them are going to be easy. And I just want to warn everybody, and this will be a need to know, uh, the other three teams that you're battling, Houston, Texas, and Toronto, try not to watch the scoreboard this week, or at least this weekend. For about a because week. it is it is not a pretty picture with who they're playing. They get the dregs of the American League while you are battling Tampa. So just understand that that is a you know, part of the deal this weekend. There may be some uh, some frustration. But we'll start the day with a little hat tip to Cal Raleigh. Unbelievable what he did yesterday. And uh, just, a, just a huge, wonderful win for the Mariners. I should also mention, as they play the, Ram, uh, Ray, uh, the Rams, the Rays, this uh, Sunday, the pregame coverage is going to be at 8 o'clock. First pitch at 10-10, and you'll hear it on 770 KTTH, right? Seahawks start their season against the Rams here on 710 and on Cairo News Radio. Mariners will be on 770 KTTH. But you can stream both games from your phone or tablet with the Seattle Sports app. All right, let's come back and give you everything you need to know. Football started last night. Seahawks start this weekend. Mariners with the win of the season. It's a pretty good morning to be here on Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Wins come in all shapes and sizes, but a one nothing nail-biter? Oh, that is one of my favorite types. I loved yesterday's game for the Mariners. Just a big old wow. That's what playoff games look like, and it all starts with the pitching. Bottom of the six, two outs, nobody on. Castillo's one-two. Swing and a miss. Strike three. How about some paint at 95 on the lower outside corner? Castillo, a flex of the fist. His day is done. He spins six scoreless here at the drop. Such a cool game for him. Didn't have his best stuff, but found ways to get out of every little jam that he got into. I thought the Rays had a really good approach against him and and worked counts and fouled a lot of balls off, and he didn't have his best command. But you know what? He didn't give up a run. 
because that's what you do when you're an ace and their team needs you in that kind of a game. Pretty darn impressive. Absolutely ace-like. I don't know what to say about Josh Rojas. We're just going to kind of move on. He had a brutal, brutal day. And for him, I hope the sun comes up tomorrow and you can just forget about that day. Uh, The biggest play of the game was Cal Raleigh throwing out the base runner in the ninth inning. Just an incredibly important situation with Munoz struggling once again. He was, uh, you know, characteristically modest. Yeah, you know, we've been working on it lately. Um, You know, I had some balls sail up the line past couple weeks and just trying to really focus on, you know, letting the ball get to me and, you know, putting the throw on the money and, you know, I can't really control the rest. All I can do is just put the put the ball right on the uh, base and, you know, had two good throws tonight. Well, he did. When you put it up the line, you don't give your team a chance. When you at least put it on the base, even if it's slow, you at least are giving them a chance, and that's what he did. A couple of uh, thrown-out runners for Cal yesterday. As I said, that's a playoff preview for me. That's what playoff games look like, and Scott Service knows that's the kind of game that they're going to need to keep winning. All these are leap forwards, you know. First time three days in a row, um, you know, leadoff guy gets on. You make a mistake, hit by pitch, and you work your way through it. So, again, those are confidence builders. There are going to be a lot more games like this here in September and hopefully in October and we're going to need him. You know, if you're not going to have your A game every day, but you still got to work through it and he did it. Yeah, I think Larry's talking about Munoz, but it could have been any number of guys who were all in that same spot where you just find a way to get through it and they absolutely did. So, Mariners move back to a half game out in the West. They're tied in the loss column, though, so, uh, you know, that's a good sign. Brace yourself for this weekend. Texas hosts Oakland. Houston has San Diego. Toronto has Kansas City. So, yeah. Continue to be pesky, Kansas City. Please. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe uh, if, uh, if if San Diego could just, like, discover some of their, their talent, and if Oakland could, I don't know, pull off a miracle, that would be uh, really, really nice this weekend. As for the Mariners, George Kirby goes tonight against Taj Bradley in game two of the four-game set in Tampa. Here's the second thing you need to know. Don't love the injury report getting worse for the Seahawks as they get closer to game time. Kenny McIntosh and Jamal Adams still did not practice. And then you added a few names Thursday. That's Damian Lewis, Jordan Brooks, Boye Mafe. Uh, two of them with illness, Damian Lewis with a shoulder. Uh, Brooks was listed as a rest day, so hopefully that's not too serious. And then Ken Walker showed up as a limited participant with his groin. He had been practicing fully, plus Devin Witherspoon and Derek Hall still limited as well. All right, I don't really love illness because that can take out like a bunch of guys on the team at once, so let's hope that's not the case. But the really, the one that jumped out to me probably more than any other is the guy that I think would be toughest to play without, and that's Damian Lewis, actually. You got some other running backs and you can live another shoulder. I know what's going on with your big guys and their shoulder injuries. I, maybe not serious. We'll obviously wait and find out, but you don't have a lot of depth on the interior of your offensive line to begin with. And if you're going to have to play without the one veteran you have in there, that certainly is not an a plus scenario. So we'll certainly be watching that to see where Damian Lewis is over the course of the next few days. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, I have to give credit, tip my cap to the old Detroit Lions. They've been hyped all offseason, and they delivered in a very difficult environment yesterday in Kansas City for opening night against the world champs. Did you get that wrong again? Huh? Weird. Did you get that that wrong again? That happened? I didn't get it wrong yesterday. I said, let's wait and see. When they show it to me, I'll believe them. That's all. I don't look. I got the other one wrong. I'm always happy to admit when I'm wrong. If you would ask me, do I think Detroit you were like, will win? Jerry Goff. Ugh, I don't know. And Jared Goff did what he <laughs> his his offense scored 14 points. 
Yeah. I mean, let's let's tone it down. No, the game got to 21. Right, because the defense had a pick six. Oh, my goodness. So let's chill on Jared Goff. And Mahomes put up a ton. It was, a, it was, a, good, it was a good defensive. All I said was that Jared Goff put up 14 points with his offense. Jeez. This, the next line in my script here says this was more of a defensive battle. Kansas City playing without Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. Mahomes, biggest mistake of the night. Trusting Kadarius Tony, who was a disaster and continued to let balls drop and pop off his hands, etc. So big old mess for Kansas City yesterday, which is not what I was hoping for. I wanted them to win so that they would feel very confident in not needing Chris Jones. We'll see what happens. Can we get to the real news here? What's the real news, Justin? Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and myself have agreed <laughs> on a five-year, $275 million extension, $219 million guaranteed. Joey Burr becomes the highest-paid highest player in NFL history in wow. Cincinnati all right. of all places. A couple of thoughts on that. That's everything you need to know. Does it handcuff them? Maybe. Well, I got a couple of questions <laughs> for you quickly. Uh, one... And me. What what role yeah, did you... I'm, I'm just curious. Are just you in the say, payee no. or the payor role All it says is the Bengals and Burrow agreed. I also agreed. I think <laughs> oh, you also agreed. I idea. I agreed to the, the five-year, $275 million. Noted Bengals fan, uh, Justin Barnes. All right, yeah. so you agreed that they should do it. I just think it's a smart idea. Lock You've been up. a Bengals fan your entire life. Yeah, since I was like eight or nine. The biggest question I have for you. Does he look like adult Macaulay Culkin? Yes. Did you ever think Absolutely. the Cincinnati Bengals... For any amount of time, mm-hmm. would have the highest paid player not, in NFL football history. Absolutely no chance. Not not even close. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? No, like he. I mean, there have been individual players with more money guaranteed than the entire team of the Bengals. Right. Times. So no, that's pretty <laughs> remarkable for chance. them to go out there and guarantee all of that money to Joe Burrow. Pretty uh, pretty impressive what they think of him. All right, uh, let's see. We will come. Back. We have a ton of football to talk a little bit later today. Brady Henderson's going to be in for a couple of hours, starting at seven o'clock. Brock's going to pop by for Blue eighty eight. G's going to be in. So ton of playoff previewing, or excuse me, a football previewing all throughout the day. Uh, but we had an opportunity yesterday, of course, to speak to Jerry Depoto about a team that just keeps finding ways to win even after they lose a few they get themselves right back moving in this right direction again so we'll talk to jerry coming up next on brock and salk seattle sports on 710 seattlesports.com the jerry depoto show presented by seattle pump and equipment on seattle sports good morning jerry good morning mike are you picking on mora yes (laughs) she's just just answering the phone as a morning ray of sunshine I was actually stalling because I knew you were on the phone and I was uh, failing at stalling just I, long I was chit chatting and Salk was looking at me. I was me like, like, I think Jerry. we're ready. I thi- <laughs> no, we're not quite ready yet. All right. All right. We'll get on to some baseball rather than making fun of my inability to host a radio show. But what is it like as a guy, as an architect of a baseball team, watching that team play with a lead in Great American Ballpark? Uh, well, I, I will say this, having never pitched in Great American Ballpark, it's not a whole lot better than the other one, which was terrifying. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, there's small ballpark and, you know, it's a weird things tend to happen there. I will say that I was really impressed in the three days with the athleticism of the, the young Reds position player team. It's a, you know, it's a super fun group to watch. I, I wish we would have handled it better in the first two days, but now, even with the big lead in, in each of the last two games, your your first instinct is keep scoring, boys. Keep scoring. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they can uh, they can run. We've talked about it a lot this season, Jerry, just across the league, Kansas City. And Bobby Witt can really run. Arizona and Corbin Carroll can really run. And and just uh, it feels like, you know, just baseball can be a little cyclical as well. It just feels from afar you have all the numbers inside that just the game's athleticism and speed, I can't remember here, certainly over the last decade or so, a time when there's been more just pure, raw athleticism. Well, I mean, certainly not that I can recall, but I, you know, if I go back, you know, on the way back machine and, and think about watching baseball in the eighties and, yep. you know, the fun teams that, that were playing at that time with the speed element, you know, and I thought last night on the broadcast, I, I think it was Goldie who brought it up. You know, we, we have, I think the only American league team or now that, you know, one of two American league teams with three 25 homer hitters, you know, think about saying that 10 and 15 years ago, but you know, look at how many 20 stolen base guys we have, which is, you know, such a departure from where the game was, you know, just a decade or two ago. And, and I think it's fun to watch when, you know, even our team and, and we may not have you know, the, the, the host of, of speedsters like you just mentioned, but we've got a few. And, you know, with Julio and Cabby and Josh Rojas and Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty, the, the game changes when those guys are on the bases and, and it makes it an awful lot of fun to watch. Yeah, it was interesting looking at it and, you know, another eight runs yesterday. I, I just happened to go check. So, okay, where are the Mariners at in terms of scoring runs? Number 10 runs per game in all of baseball. How did you guys end up at number 10 considering some of the conversations we were having in the first part of this season? Yeah, I, I, I don't know is <laughs> the, the answer. I don't know where the conversations I, – I, I think, you know, oftentimes, and it, and it may have been perceived at the time that I was being a little defensive – we were really never that bad. <laughs> you know, we, we were always kind of a middle of the package offense in the, the broader uh, MLB, uh, I guess, look, if you were looking at the advanced metrics. And, and what the advanced metrics usually tell you is that the, the good things will start to happen. The process is sound. You know, we, I don't know a better way to say it. When you see a team you know, that is in the middle of the pack in WRC plus it's, it's telling you, you know, this is a competent major league offense and, you know, competent major league offense in, in April, May, June, that was scoring, you know, Mac runs. And, and all of a sudden, a lot of those, you know, underlying factors that were driving us to a, a strong WRC plus without really resulting in big runs scored per game really started to explode. And what was always a good process turned into really good results. And, and I think we're looking at that for the last, and it hasn't been a short time. This has been going on yeah. for, for two plus months now. So trying to understand that to a lay person. Okay. So WRC plus is a newer statistic that maybe not everybody completely understands weighted runs created. And then what it's, it's balanced to try to take away defense and ballpark factor is that right yeah it strips out you know the defense doesn't play into it at all uh and and it strips out you know a lot of the, the i i guess w- what it does is it reflects the place you're playing and the time you're playing there 
So, you know, the quality of your opponents, the ballparks you're playing in, and, you know, you, you can see the results. We, we do play in a pitcher-friendly ballpark, which means that our players, our offensive players, are going to get some benefit of, of the, I, I guess, the ballpark factor. It's weighed back into our WRC+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And, and I think right now in WRC+, Plus, we are top five or six in baseball and, and one of the best teams in the American League, which is kind of what we've been for the last couple of years. And, you know, and, and similarly with the pitchers, you know, though we lead the league in, in raw earn run average, our earn run average takes a ding, you know, because of the ballpark we play in right. when you look at the weighted numbers. And, you know, now our pitching, you know, until we went on this road trip, our pitching had been so good that we still led the league, even with the, the dings in terms of fielding independent and, and ballpark factors. But, you know, the, those are some of the, the elements that we're looking at is weighing it for the, the environment you're playing in. You mentioned some of the pitching there, Jerry. How do you look at the, the bullpen right now and, uh, and the way it's just settling in? I think they're pooped, honestly. And, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, I was just saying, like I said it at the kitchen table yesterday, it's, you know, they, we have, we have asked them to throw a lot of innings in the last, you know, seven to 10 days. And I think this draws back to, you know, the, the day that George was sick and didn't make his start against Oakland at home before this road trip began. And we had to have, you know, a spot start or an emergency start from Luke Weaver. And, and all of a sudden the bullpen is, is starting to churn innings. Those, you know, those games, you're churning innings. We, we were playing an Oakland team that, you know, frankly, in, in that game, we had an opportunity to beat. The game was, was close enough. We didn't beat them. But we we churned through some bullpen, and we've only had I think one you know lengthy start from a starting pitcher, and that was Logan last Friday night in, in New York. Since that time, so you know there were a number of, of short starts, the three to five inning variety, some by design, and, and and some you know not necessarily by design, and and that's put a lot of stress on that bullpen. So I'm I'm loath to judge performance when I know we're asking a ton of them, and you know it's a it's it's been a real grind because every one of these games has been close and they've been out there for every one of them. Is there anything you guys can do to help them get some rest? I mean, I asked passing this question earlier. I don't know what the answer would possibly be, but even just trying to think creatively, is there anything you guys can do either from a management perspective or from a front office perspective to try to help? You know, I, I wish there was an easier answer to that question with some of the, the you know, the, the new in this CBA and, and with some of the new rule changes on, you know, as far as, as roster construction with limitations on the number of pitchers, you know, in addition to limitations on the number of players that are called up in September, uh, you know, it's just two and only one can be a pitcher. So it really gives you limited resource. And, and right now, you know, the pitchers that we have that are optionable up and down have been really strong contributors for us. And we're loath to, to lose one of those pitchers for any length of time. You know, if we send one down, like we saw this week in Cincinnati, and I, I hate to, to express this as it was an advantage, but Cincinnati was able to use the, the IL because they had a number of COVID cases. I understand. And that's a different type of IL with different rules to manage it. But if we were to send a, a pitcher out, we lose that pitcher for two weeks mm-hmm. before they can come back. And, you know, with just the uh, three weeks left in our season, that would be a very risky proposition. So the answer to the question is 
score a bunch of runs, guys, and hope our starting pitcher pitches deep tonight. I love that answer of pooped. I mean, that is right up my alley. That uh, that that is square for me. I'm curious if you've had a chance. Uh, and I know. And are you feeling better, by the way? Thank you again for last week as you were battling the IL. Do you, are you feeling back to 100? percent Yeah, I'm not back to 100, percent but I, I I think I'm good enough to be taken off the IL and work my way through. <laughs> good, it. awesome. Well, we appreciate that. And I'm just kind of curious when you do get to see Brian Wu next. What a stud he has been, and and I love Scott's comments the other day. Like, yeah, man, you're in the big leagues. I, carry out your role. You've got to do your job and eat up those innings. But as a guy that must also be pooped in a place that he has never been before, when you do get to see him kind of face-to-face, what will be some of your words and encouragement here down the stretch? I think he's learning great lessons, and, and that's the point with trying to, to manage – the, the, these young pitchers through the long season. Uh, we we could have managed this in a way, and this goes back to, to even 2021 with Logan Gilbert. We could have managed this to a specific mark, inning mark, where you know we just shut them down when they reach that spot. But it's not conducive to stretching that pitcher out and teaching them how to get through the long season. And and right now. You know, where Brian's learning those lessons and he's learning those lessons, frankly, without ever really having gone through that in the minor leagues. So it's a he's doing, you know, he's doing something on many levels that that he's not done before. And and he's kind of unique in that way. And I think he's done an awesome job with it. And and we're trying to be, you know, very careful in how we manage it. And we'll try to get creative this week and how we manage, you know, his next start. And like I said throughout, the biggest thing for us was managing what what I would say is a traditional five day rotation. So when the when the starting pitcher is pitching on the fifth day after four days of rest, we want to minimize the number of times that's happening with some of our young pitchers and you know and Brian is is certainly at the top of that list. Jerry, what, what I don't know how many new ways we can find to ask about JP and what he's done this year. It's really been incredible to watch. But I, I guess this week we saw a little bit about the hard hit rate. Now he went to driveline in the offseason with the goal of trying to improve that hard hit rate. H- how has it been so effective? How has he been able to just improve how hard he hits the ball? I, I think his the I, the efficiency of his bat path is way better than it's ever been before, and you know this is going to be nuanced. But you know, JP's been on our team for a number of years now, and you've seen him take you know what could be thousands of at bats if you watch us you know day in and day out, and and you know he had a, a tendency to really wrap his bat to get tilty at the top of his bat, and and it would create a longer swing path, and and longer swing paths naturally take longer you know a longer period of time to get to the ball, and to JP's credit, he went over with the guys at drive line, created a more efficient path to the ball. We don't see that same tip or that same length. His bat speed has increased a ton over the course of this year. And when you're swinging with a more efficient path and a faster bat, JT's always been able to barrel the ball and, and he has always had excellent pitch selection. You know, it's a, you know, again, underlying process. JT's always been, you know, like the, the average to above average offensive player. When you look at all the underlying, you know, elements now take that and go out and hit the weight room, you know, it, it, like he did, work on a more efficient swing path, increase your bat speed, and all of a sudden power comes with it. And that, you know, that average to, to slightly above takes a huge leap. And, and now, 
he's not just he's not just a, a an interesting player uh, on a team. He's a driver. He's you know I think he's in the in the discussion for most important players that that have taken the field for us this year in a lot of ways. He's he's done a great job. So would you? I mean, I know you guys have a pretty good partnership with Driveline, and it's worked out well, especially with the pitching side of it. After seeing the success he had this year. Would you encourage more guys to go visit there? Is it something they might just do naturally because they see the success JP had? How does how does something like that work? I think it happens both ways, you know. And we have encouraged players for a number of years to go over there. Uh, this dates back, I, I guess, boy, this dates back six years or so that we have, you know, in the off seasons with some of our younger players and and a number of our prospects, we we sent them over to drive line for you know for breakdowns, you know, analysis of their swings with suggestions on how that player could improve or, you know, giving us data points on, on what they could do. Uh, you know, driveline, it does an amazing job of providing you with, uh, with a, a blueprint of what's happening with your, whatever your specialty is, your delivery, your swing. And, you know, now take that and give it to really smart people with good coaching skills. And, and, you know, the most important thing is like with JP, it always works better when the player wants to. And, and it's not, you know, the, the, the organization pushing them to do this. JP wanted to do it. And, you know, he, like others around the league, it's as much as, you know, driveline has generated a really positive, uh, I guess, impact around the league. But then you look at the players that are coming and going from, from driveline year after year in the off seasons. And then if you go over there, it's, you know, sometimes it's an all-star game at the facilities. And, and when other players see that, they naturally gravitate in that direction. You know, success begets copycats. And, you know, we want to go and, and experience what they're experiencing. And, you know, and right now, JP is really reaping the benefits of wanting to be there. How's that Kelnick guy doing down there in Tacoma? And I'm seeing him play a ton of right field. Appears to be raking, <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, it's JK always, he, he's in his time in the minors. We've always had him play, you know, all the outfield spots when he's back here in Seattle, he will play primarily on the corners and, you know, like the way we've used Dom Canzone and Cade Marlowe, you know, and particularly here where you're seeing Teo get a few more DH days to, to try to keep him fresh and on his feet. You know, there'll, there'll be a nice rhythm to the way Scott's able to, to move the outfield around if there's an opportunity to, to, to get all those left-handed bats in the lineup. So uh, it appears he's raking. He looks comfortable. The post-game reports have been really solid. Uh, he's only been at this for about a week now. So uh, the fact that I, I think he's – last night was his best night, and I, I believe he's right now rocking something around a 1,400 OPS in his short stint in AAA. And, and I don't suspect it's going to be too much longer. And, you know, it could be any day now. It's also we're, – we're 3,000 miles away with a travel day, so I'm not certain – that the appropriate thing to do is is send him across the country to join the club. But minimally, I think you'll see him next week. What did you make of his uh, response and quotes to Daniel Kramer the other day, taking responsibility and, and talking through how much he learned throughout this situation? 
you know, I think JK has been really mature in how he's handled this from the very start. Uh, he was really that you could see in how emotional he was when, when found, when you found out that he had the broken foot that, you know, he, he put himself and he put the team in a tough spot. And, and, uh, and I don't know that anybody wears the, wears that type of thing any tougher than Jared. He's, he's such a competitor. He is a really thoughtful guy. And it's, uh, I thought, from the time he met with the media after the the initial event and how he took it, it took responsibility for his own actions and then coming afterward and it's you don't want to see any player miss time you know with a self-inflicted injury especially you know when during that time it, it would have been really handy to have him in a lineup <laughs> but if if during that time, you've got a young player who's learned lessons about how to manage, you know, himself and his emotions moving forward. I think that's a win. And, you know, we've been able to weather that storm offensively. And, and in many ways, we've been in as good a place as we've ever been. And as I've said the last couple of weeks when we talked about J.K., we're a better team when he's on it. And, and uh, I look forward to getting him back out there. Whether it was the new shoes or the the, the day off, uh, you guys, I'm sure, have the metrics. Was that the fastest that Suarez had rounded the bases all season yesterday? You know, I didn't look at the the metrics, but my eye told me yes. And it's, <laughs> we we we've, we've talked about the the fact that it would be beneficial for for Gino to have a day off for for a couple of weeks now, really dating back to to the last road trip and. He's such a gamer, and it was, you know, it was a goal of his to play in each game. And, you know, with the the late defensive substitution, he still played in every game. He just did it in a different way. But just getting the day off your feet, having a chance to work in the cage with the, the hitting coaches without knowing that four or five at-bats are waiting for you when you walk out the door – you don't have to go through your normal pregame routines. You can just go focus on a practice day. And I, I think – you know, unlike any other sport, this is, it's a really weird thing. You know, baseball, the ratio of game time to practice time is so lopsided when you look at it versus other sports and other sports, you get a ton of practice time leading up to a game or an event or a match. You know, in baseball, it is, it is far on the other end of the spectrum. You know, with a 162 game season, you wind up you wind up channeling a lot of your energy toward game time and the pregame stuff is, is very, let's call it, it's preparatory. You're just going through stretching and, and, you know, easy work BP on the field. It's not, it's not, it's not true practice. And, you know, the, the chance to just unplug for the better part of the day and plug into practice and focusing on, on making something better, which I think Gino did take that, that opportunity and ran with it. I've been pretty interested watching Dominic Canzone over the last couple of weeks and, and his swing and, you know, trying to figure out where he goes from here. What, what is the upside of a Dominic Canzone? You know, I, when we when we got Dom, our belief was that we were getting a guy who could do a little bit of everything. And and the biggest appeal was that we thought there was real power to tap into. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, his swing is very, you know, we'll, we'll call it very NPB. He, he uses a lot of the same uh, techniques in loading up his weight and coiling. When when you get on top of Dom, he's, he's not the most 
you know, he's not the six five. It's not Gene Carlo Stanton, but man, he can really whip the bat and hit the ball a long way. And and I think we're seeing that. I he he reminds me a good deal of a guy that I had you know a couple of times, but but most notably in Colorado by the name of Brad Hop, who had mm. a pretty good career. And it's uh you know he he has. He has shown us the ability to get to any fastball. He has shown us that the, the ball up or the ball down is a ball that he can drive in the gap or out of the ballpark. He's got really good bat speed. I think the the fact that he, you know, we, we talked about J.K. playing right field. Downs played a lot of left field, which is not natural for him. Most of his time in the minors was as a right or center fielder. So, you know, he's. I think he's done – really well in checking the box of does a little bit of everything. He puts a ton of balls in play. He doesn't strike out a great deal. And, you know, while he's not a gaudy walk totals guy, he does have a feel for putting the ball, you know, in play and creating action with it. And he's been a nice addition for us. And, and truly, you know, with the, over the course of this last, let's call it, five weeks, you know, with, with Dom and, and Rojas and at the, at the, yeah, I guess now Dom's more closer to the middle of the lineup, but what they've done to lengthen our lineup has been meaningful for, for our team performance. Well, four in Tampa, uh, this will be uh, interesting to see what it looks like, as you said, a, a pooped bullpen. I hadn't used that <laughs> phrase to describe it. I just said tired, but uh, I appreciate your uh, your more colorful language. A pooped bullpen and a rotation that uh, right now has an opportunity to pick them up along with an offense as well. So, Jerry, thank you. We're coming down the stretch here. What, 23 Three. games to play? Pretty unbelievable. We'll uh, look forward to next week. Thank you. You got it, guys. Should be excited. All right, there you go. Good opportunity to talk to our guy, Jerry DePoto, every Thursday. You can hear that at uh, at 8.30 here on the Brock and Salk Show, generally with a little replay the next morning. And, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I, I kind of watch him and just see a, a, a team that he's put together that isn't perfect, nor really any other team right now other than maybe the Braves and Dodgers, but is right there with every other team in the American League, and I and I'll and I'll give them a shot against Baltimore, against Tampa, against Texas, against Houston in a in a playoff series. I think they've got an ability to beat any one of those teams. So, yeah, just keep this going, keep doing what you're doing, keep winning games like yesterday. That was a really big one for them, I thought, and probably my favorite win that they've had this year because of the style. Yeah, I, everyone likes a good comeback. I do too. I'm not sitting here telling you I don't love a comeback win. They're amazing. But a one nothing win under pressure the entire way in Tampa against a really good playoff team, yeah, that's that's the kind of win that I think will really go places for your team. So, and those are the kind of games that you're going to play later uh, later in the season. So, really, really cool. Great to see that yesterday. Oh, it's be so stressful, right? Don't you love it though? You do, but you're. It's also like, oh my gosh, I can't take it. Well, that seems to be the thing. Like, I, I feel like they're like people don't want to go through that. And I understand that. <laughs> the like, payoff is so big because you almost feel like you did something with the team by yes. being so invested. Like Justin was saying earlier about how he agrees with uh, Joe yeah. Burrow. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I suffered through watching this and therefore I've come out the <laughs> other side of it. So really, go- really, really great spot that the Mariners are in right now is they just kind of keep going here and uh, you got an opportunity this weekend. If you can take two out of three this weekend, 500 road trip. If you can take two out of three this weekend, you get a 500 road trip. Given where you were and where you've been, et cetera, that is an unbelievable accomplishment before coming home. Brady Henderson's in the building, and we'll be right back here with Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com.